So hey there, welcome back guys. And uh, today, man, I am super fired up to be with you because I have a fantastic interview with Chris Roberts. He is one of the founders and the CEO of Sterling Rhino Capital. They have built a portfolio of over $122 million in just about four years. And they're about to go to a half a billion dollars with six new construction projects. So today on the podcast, not only are you going to love Chris's energy and passion, but here's some specific things you're going you're gonna to learn about. Number one, you're going to learn about Chris's very humble beginnings where he was basically on his own since age 15. And Chris says multiple times in this interview how he was going to work so hard so people don't take his stuff. And you're going to love to hear just that perspective, like the work ethic that comes from not having anything so people don't take his stuff. I thought that was just an incredible part of the interview. Number two, you're going to learn about how to select and create developer partners for new construction. We talk a lot about business partners. This is a big part of it. And number three, you're going to learn how to ask very important questions when you create partnerships. And one of the key questions is to ask everybody else, where do you see our value? Like, Where do you see us fitting in? Key question number three, when you're developing partnerships. Number four, Look, it's around energy. One of the things that Chris and I talk about a lot in this show is energy and how to be the person that everybody wants to be around to partner with and to create these partnerships because you exude the energy, the confidence that people want to park their money with, they want to partner with, they want to develop with, all of those kind of things. Those are some of the key takeaways from this show. And it's been, you know, I've been doing this show for a long time. I've had lots of guests that stand out. Chris's energy, his smile, his enthusiasm for what he's doing is contagious. You're going to love it on the show today. Here we go. So, hey, Chris, listen, thanks so much for carving out some time on Accelerated Investor. I'm excited to have you on the show today. Josh, I love it. I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to talk to your audience. You're an amazing teacher, coach, and just run an incredible program. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you bet, Chris. Listen, I'm always curious, especially with today's ever-changing market, inflation, higher interest rates, kind of what you're working on today that you're most passionate for, whether it's in the business or outside of the business. You know, you we were getting ready for this show. You told me that you work 4:30 in the morning till, you know, 10, 11 at night, but only because you really love it and because you want to, not because you need to. So help us understand that. And what does fill up your day with the things that you're passionate about? Yeah, wonderful question, Josh. I appreciate that. Uh, well, what fires me up is is real estate in general. But but I've been an entrepreneur for a long time, and I came from really humble beginnings on my own at a very young age, fifteen years old. Stood in food lines as a kid, just really, really never had anything handed to me, nothing. And so at a young age, I had that sort of work ethic instilled in me just by sheer survival. And so today, as you're alluding to, the early days, like four o'clock to to eleven at night. I do that because I'm I'm fired up about working. I love giving back and uh, and just enjoy what I do. I truly enjoy what I do. It's what everyone dreams of, right? How do you find what you love? And and that's real estate. And so you want to talk about markets? Obviously, things have shifted, but they're always shifting, right? We we always have some sort of recession. We have some sort of shift in interest rates. We have, you know, if you look back at history, though, say over the last thirty years, 
the the rental increases in our market they they obviously don't follow appreciation and depreciation and and recessions they kind of slow roll up so if you look back at all those stats it kind of calms you down a bit you say wait a minute i'm not going to freak out about this i'm just going to make adjustments so that i can be profitable for me and my investors so what we're doing today that we're really excited about is i started personally years ago in single family fix and flips land a little bit of everything and then quickly shifted to the multifamily space 100 plus units it's value add, class C, B minus kind of stuff. And that was great. We bought, I think, nine assets during COVID and have exited uh, with far exceeding our performance on some of those deals. Great. But as interest rates have shifted, and about probably a year and a half ago, we started thinking about this, we started to dive into the new construction space. So today, what we're really excited about, and there's multiple reasons, but is the new construction space. And, and the primary reason we're excited about it is uh, we control all the margins. When we negotiate the land, uh, like for example, we just bought an entire city block in downtown Phoenix, Arizona. We bought a total of two and a half blocks in Denver, Colorado, like within a few blocks of you know, Mile High Stadium or whatever. I mean, like key markets, right? And we're excited about that because when we control every everything from the ground up, it allows us to, to move around with, with the markets, with the interest rates, with supply and demand, and, and, and not worry so much about, can we find a deal? You know, is it the right price? Is the seller asking too much, et cetera? And it also allows us to fluctuate long-term. So when you look at, say, a three to five to seven-year timeframe from you know, dirt to class A+, it allows you to, to adjust with those interest rates going up and down. And our performance, we're just finishing our first construction project, actually, that we started a few years ago. And that, that thing's got like 18, 19% higher rents than Performa already. And of course, we went through a massive you know, increase in rents this last five years, probably not normal. But nonetheless, it allows you to, to kind of get a, get a glimpse into the way this new construction space works and the margins and, and uh, controlling costs. And, and obviously, there's contracts with the contractors not allowing them to go any higher. They're bonused if they come in lower, et cetera. But we, we love it. Right now, we currently have uh, six plots of land under contract uh, that'll total about $700 million by the time they're finished being built in three key markets across the country. So we're pretty excited about that for sure. Got it. Yeah, love it. So help me understand the the transition from you know suburban C-class, B- minus to urban infill buying city blocks. Like where does the, where does the switch happen? Because you're, you're smiling on camera because that's a big, it's a big change. However, I'm also asking for selfish reasons. I started this podcast for selfish reasons, right? So I could interview great people. I didn't care what my audience, uh, <laughs> if they got anything out of it, it was all for me. I still continue that today, but thank God they're learning from it. But I've got infill plots of land and we haven't done our first construction project yet, even though we've done 18 syndications, 4,300 units. So help me understand that change mindset wise. You mentioned controlling costs. You mentioned being able to pivot. But what was the first one like when you were used oh, to suburban, C-class, B-minus, and then you're like, oh, we're going to build in downtown Phoenix or downtown Denver. Big switch, big mindset switch, big kind of strategy switch. What was the first one like? Man, Josh, I love this question. And this is the first time I've actually talked to someone since we've we've really made our major pivot. Now, we, we have one asset that's about to finish com completion. It'll be like a $60 million project that we built. Beautiful infinity pools, Zen gardens, and all that stuff over in Stanford, Connecticut. The, the shift is 
first of all, early on, you've got to identify that you're going to have to change, right? You're, you're, you're always going to have to flow and fluctuate and shift. There are some gurus out there that talk about you have to specialize in being a class C or specialize in being a class A. I don't believe that. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a successful entrepreneur because I've changed constantly, right? I mean, I've, I've adapted to the markets. I've adapted to the people around me. Uh, an example is how did we get into this space? Because you're absolutely right. That is leaps and bounds, jumping off a cliff to go somewhere like this, right? This is really difficult to get into. And the way we did it was we built credibility really early on, like you have, Josh. I mean, you're well-known. You've got a lot of deals under your belt. You could easily jump into this space when you're ready. But the key is finding the right developer partnership, right? Because obviously, you can prove that you can raise capital. You can prove you can manage assets. You can prove you can sell and outperform, which obviously, you can do that. So now it's a matter of figuring out, okay, if I've got land or I don't have land, who can I partner with as a developer where we can bring half the equation? And that's exactly what we did. I'll give you a quick example. It's exactly what we did. First of all, we found a really good developer through someone we knew. Now, I didn't realize this, but but our friends and family had been in the same circles for 30 years. And we just, we, we paralleled. And one day, a good friend says, hey, you got you to talk to him. So we have this conversation. And I realized, man, he's just like us, the attitude, the energy, and the enthusiasm, the work ethic. He was just in a totally different space that we never looked at because it was scary. We thought, man, new construction, that's, that's a juggernaut. Like I can buy a building, renovate it, rent it. I can manage the asset fairly well. I've done it. But new construction was, ooh, scary, right? right? It's not scary. You just have to find an expert that understands it. And the key is a developer. So we brought him on board. Actually, first of all, we invested in one of his deals. We, we almost like sort of co-GP, JV kind of deal on one of his deals. And by going in with him, we learned the process. We built credibility amongst each other, right? Our partnership. And then he said, man, I've got a lot of plots of land I'm negotiating. Why don't you guys come in with me? We'll just do a split. We'll, we'll break it all down the middle and we'll just start, we'll start going. And I said to him, uh, I know what value we bring, but where do you see our value? Right. That's a key mm -hmm. question is how do we see each other? And he said, well, you guys have the systems, the infrastructure, the ability to raise massive sums of money. Right. I don't have those massive systems. I'm a developer. I, I deal with negotiating land. I deal with negotiating with contractors. I deal with the high level stuff, the city, the mayor's office, blah, blah, blah. You guys deal with pretty much everything else. I've always had people that could do that but I really like you guys. Why don't we jump in? So we immediately mapped out six properties and that's kind of how it started was a partnership. And I feel that is the, that is the key to success is figuring out partnerships and building your team. In my opinion, anyways. I love that. I love that. We just actually, this is like our third piece of land that we've looked at possibly developing. Um, last week, I went to see a brand new A-class in Little Italy, Cleveland, right? So Little Italy is a great neighborhood. It is truly like Little Italy, but there was an infill, uh, six-story, 42-unit uh, that got built. It wasn't huge. It was, you know, I'm guessing they're all in for eight and a half million. And they were trying to exit for 12 to 14 million. And we went to see it done, stabilized, 100% occupied, mostly because it was a broker friend of ours. And I wanted to look at the asset to possibly buy it. But what threw me off, Chris, was they're like, look, our expense ratio is only like 20%, right? Because they have a tax abatement. It's infill in the city. So 15 yeah. years tax abatement on the real estate taxes. They're only paying taxes on the land. And they're like, look, we have almost no maintenance costs because it's new construction. And all of the vendors that built the building, if something goes wrong, it's under warranty. They'll come back and fix the plumbing, the electrical, the security system, et cetera. And then they were... Because it was brand new construction and it was 100% occupied with a waiting list, 
They also had just one realtor who gave, they gave a little discounted rent to this one realtor to basically just kind of manage the building very part-time and huge waiting list. So now I'm thinking, okay, the first piece of land that I didn't develop that could have looked like that. I'm like, wow, that was really cool. And it was just seeing it, walking it, talking to the owner, talking to the broker, talking to this realtor that was on site. I'm like, I could see now how they could have maybe 20% is a little thin, but maybe a 30% expense ratio, especially with the real estate taxes being so low. And it just gave me that sense of confidence with this other piece of land that we own to build a similar structure, right? So sometimes, Chris, like you said, it's about, I'm in the field, I'm talking to people, I've got to just go figure out who knows who, and is there a connection? You had this 30-year connection with this group that you didn't even know existed, you uncovered, and you're like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Let's do this. That's another reason why I feel like, Chris, you got to, even if you're if you're in acquisition mode, you got to go see assets that you maybe aren't going to buy. You just got to go see a lot of assets, talk to a lot of brokers, make a lot of relationships because you don't know kind of what's coming next and you don't know what you don't know. So you just got to be in the field, making partnerships and seeing deal flow. Now I have a whole different sense of confidence with this other piece of land that we own that I'm like, you know what? If it could look just like that thing that I just went to see, that's a winner right there, right? So as you built, right, how important was that for you to just be out, you and your partners, going to see buildings, talking to people, building relationships? Because it's not like this thing's mapped out. It's not like a playbook, exact playbook that you could just follow. It's about making those relationships. And like you said, without this developer partner, these infield, these infield deals in these three major gateway cities, they don't happen. No, actually, and, and that's a wonderful question, Josh. And I, I appreciate it because I was literally just on stage talking about the power of partnerships, right? And I cannot stress this enough for your, your listeners. It is so important to, first of all, run your business with ethics and integrity, right? Do what you say, have a good attitude, get out there, share with the world, give, give, give. And things do kind of gravitate towards you, positive things. For example, you mentioned you got to get out there. Yeah, you got to get out there. You got to ask a lot of questions. You got to talk to people. But most of all, you got to be the kind of person you've got to exude this sort of energy about you that draws people in to want to be in your world because there is a lot of money out there. There's a lot of qualified people, but not a lot of them have that energy enthusiasm about you or about them. And if you're doing that, you're going to kind of draw people. Like for example, you have one shot, right? To get to know somebody. For example, these developers we're talking about are these people who maybe own a piece of land and they're just sitting on it. Wealthy people. They're like, I don't know what I'm gonna do with this thing. So you start having conversations. My developer's really good at that. He'll have a, he'll have a conversation with the good old boy who's like 80 years old and he's owned the property forever. It's a whole city block. Everything's growing up around him. And he starts talking to the guy. And the next thing you know, we got it under contract. And he's now he's talking to the neighbor. And he's what he's doing is he's negotiating four plots so we can get the whole block, right? So mm-hmm. we can build 300 units, 10 stories instead of a small boutique building, right? And the key is he's really good at just being himself and developing relationships with people. So one of the things I want you to think about too, as, as your listeners listen in on this is it's not that complicated. It's scary because it's the unknown, right? Jack Canfield talks about everything being on the other side of fear, everything you want, right? It's on the other right. side of fear. All it is, is is more moving parts, more pieces. So what he does is he goes in, he negotiates this land, he figures out all the little idiosyncrasies things that go on and, and all the cross the T's and dot the I's. We focus on the capital, we focus on the managing of the asset and whatnot. And then they come together. It's not that big a deal, right? So for example, you talked about your land. 100%, you could do that. The key is how many other properties are around you, not unlike buying a class B and renovating it. What are your comps like? Can you actually get water and electric and all the basics, environmental studies, right? You do the same thing you do with a value add, 
right? You have this little, we're not going to commit hard to anything until XYZ goes on, got a little bit more time. And then by the time your money goes hard, you know, from the city, like I was just on a call with the mayor's office in Denver and, and a bunch of other people, and they want us there. And so here's the other key, Josh, is, is remember that if you are building a new, beautiful building, you are changing the skyline. You are improving the community. They want you there. Uh, private equity money wants to be there. Lenders want to be there, right? Everybody wants to be there in that type of asset. And so it actually is easier once you get through that two, three-year time frame that it takes to negotiate the land, do your due diligence, right? All the other things that go into the, the back-end stuff. And then you start building, it's 18 to 24 months, right? But man, once you get through that and you control everything from the dirt up, your margins are phenomenal, investors are happy, and who doesn't want a beautiful A-plus property, right, with Zen gardens, auto parking, dog washing stations, all the, right, everybody wants to be there. It's just, they think, oh, I can't do it. And you can do it, you can. Are you ready to automate and explode your real estate investing? We're searching for extremely motivated individuals who are sick and tired of wasting time and wanna finally see real results from their real estate investing business. We're searching for investors looking to get to the next level and become a bigger, better version of themselves while being a more successful real estate investing entrepreneur. Apply for mentoring and coaching at joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. That's joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. Yeah. Other people do it. You can do it. I love the point that you make, Chris, about you have to exude the kind of personality, the partnership that other people want to be around. I know a lot of people, even people in my own mastermind group that are like, well, I'm really just kind of quiet. <laughs> like, yeah, dude, that ain't going to work. Like, <laughs> you have to not only exude a sense of confidence, but just be yourself, be out there. I told my daughter, she's a freshman in high school, like the kids that are popular are not popular because they're beautiful or not popular because they're good at a sport. They're popular because they're outgoing. Like they just know a lot of people. It's not a popularity contest. Like she's the most beautiful. She wears the nice clothes or she's the richest. I know some kids that are at school who are great athletes, who parents are loaded and nobody likes the kid because he's a pompous, arrogant prick, right? He's not popular, but he's good at sports and his family is wealthy. I'm like, yeah. it has nothing to do with that daughter. It's got everything to do with the person that's out there talking, connecting, that's fun, that's fun to be around, that has something to say, that has an opinion, that has a position. That's the type of person in high school. It's no different today, right? As a 46-year-old investor, developer, you know, capital raiser, like people want to be around Chris guys like you because you're making it happen. You're fun to be around. You're somebody that's out there doing it. People are like, I want to be connected to that, right? So that mindset yeah, is really, really, really important. Chris, let me back up that and ask you, when did you realize or how did you create that? When you were going from resi to commercial and you were making the leap and we have some new investors that are going to listen to this and they're wondering how to make the leap. How did you make the leap? How did you build that self-confidence and be somebody that people want to be around? Were there things that you ding, did, said, what are some specific things maybe that you could look back and say, I did this right when I was making the pivot from resi to commercial? 
Josh, I'm not even kidding you. I am getting goosebumps as you're asking this question because this is very personal to me. This is really sure. a personal question. And the reason I say that is we we're talking before uh, we, we air, went on air about my, my kind of humble beginnings, right? Some of the struggles I went through as a youth and being out on my own at a very young age. And I had this sort of attitude and energy about me and because that's all I could control. That's all I had. I didn't have the formal education. I didn't have the pedigree, right? I didn't have the white picket fence. I didn't have the family support system. I didn't have any of that, right? So I had to kind of almost create this facade to be who I wanted to be, even though I wasn't, right? And that led to job opportunities, right? There was a guy, I'm just gonna tell you a couple quick short, short stories. One of them was, there was a guy I was applying for a job for. And every day after the interview for like 23 days or something, I literally emailed him or called him or, or I bugged him in some way. And when he hired me, he said, man, I knew that if I didn't hire you, you would stalk me and never leave me alone, right? <laughs> that really? job opportunity led to massive success for me, right? And actually propelled, kind of propelled my sales career and a bunch of other stuff early on. My partner, when I met him at a conference out of 75 or so people I talked to at that conference, it was the last day of the conference, 6 a.m. I'm an early bird. I get down there. He's the only one. We have this great conversation. He became my COO. And one of the reasons he became my CEO, this came later, he said to me, Chris, you don't know what I'm capable of, but I am so excited to show you. I can't wait to show you what I can do. And I thought to myself, who am I? for somebody of his caliber, the way I felt about him, to say that to me. It was so humbling that someone saw enough value in me to say that, right? And man, has he over-delivered. My point is, and what you just said, is that is the attitude you have to have every day. You are technically interviewing every day with everyone you meet. And not interviewing in the way that you want something, interviewing in the way that you want a synergistic relationship with them, right? You want to show them what you're capable of, right? And in return, they will give you back some of that energy. And sometimes you'll find the right partners. Sometimes you won't, but you're going to leave an amazing impression on them when you go. So early on, that's the attitude I had. And to this day, no matter what I'm doing, whatever company I'm working, whatever interaction I have, I have the same sort of work ethic and energy. And I always had that mindset of, if I don't, if I slow down, someone's going to take what I'm earning. Someone's going to yeah. take my job. Someone's going to take my money and no one's taking my stuff. And I work that way every day, <laughs> starting at like 4.30. My stuff. Chris, I got to ask you this. This is really listening to you talk. And this is pretty personal, right? But I think it's a fair yeah. question. So... When you grew up with nothing, no white picket fence, you're on your own at 15. To me, that is a hundred percent the reason for all your success today, right? Because you were never given anything. You, you didn't grow up with a rich father or mother. You didn't grow up in a wealthy house. You didn't even grow up middle class. You grew up with nothing. And because of that experience from age zero to age 15, and then obviously until you had your first major breakthrough, you probably still have some sense of you can't take my stuff because I, I literally don't have anything. So even if you had a, you know some extra clothes on your back or some extra food that day, you didn't want anybody to take it because you didn't know where your next piece of clothes was coming from or your next meal. So how much is that still propelling you forward? The fact like for me... Part of my success is the fact that I remember being turned down by girls when I was in my teens. <laughs> and so I still am partially motivated, even though I'm happily married, three kids, yeah. still partially motivated by the fact that I got turned down and that negative experience motivates me today to have and work the hardest and have the nicest things and provide the best things I can for my family because, because of that negative experience when I was younger. 
How important has that been for you? Oh, absolutely. I think we have to find our own motivation. Something sort of Tony Robbins talks about, like the it's something that inspires you long-term, not short-term motivation, but long-term inspiration, right? Myself, Tony Robbins, I'm not comparing myself to Tony, but like Tony Robbins, a lot of others, they had struggles too, right? Even Grant Cardone, there's a bunch of guys that have went through stuff. It's not looked at very often, right? But when you deep dive into someone's childhood and you start thinking about the effects of them and their environment, yeah, some go the wrong way, right? It's this path you can split. Some go the wrong way. They get into drugs, trouble, this, that, and the other. Others use it as a way to inspire them to change things, right? To make a difference. I tell you, in all honesty, I am so humbled by what we have done as a group. It's not just me. It takes an army, right? A village to do this thing. Going from literally having nothing and, and and obviously being fired up to have something to then like we fed a million people through our partnership with Feeding America. We have today like 120 million in assets, soon to be like half a billion, right? In like just three and a half years or whatever. I, and we give back. We love it. We we don't drive Ferraris, right? We don't have boats. We don't have RVs. We don't... we. We're guys that you go hang out with. Like we're we're those kind of people, right? And that's because of that original foundation of like really having nothing and just being grateful, that whole gratitude mindset. Absolutely. That definitely inspired me till I got older. And what's funny, Josh, is I made money pretty early on as a sales and marketing guy. I bought a Rolex, I, I bought an Audi, I sold all that stuff like within a year. I was like, this stuff mm-hmm. is like, this is not me, right? Like this is. I'm keeping up with people. I'm trying to put on this facade. I'm, this isn't me, man. And I got rid of all that stuff. It's like, so yeah, that that motivated me early on. And now what motivates me, we're about the same age, Josh, is, and I'm in a position easily to retire today, but it's to give back, make a difference, try to help people. I don't have programs, although I believe in mentor programs and coach, you got to have it. I've hired many of them, love what you guys do for sure. But I do love sharing what I've learned. So, you know, hopping on stages and just giving little presentations on partnerships and how I met my partners or how to find your first deal or whatever it is. Yeah, all that stuff fires me up, Josh, all of it. But it definitely started with those humble beginnings because I had to. I had to survive. Yeah, I love it, Chris. Love it. Let me ask you two final questions because of the success that you've had and having. And you just really seem to have mentally just in the you're in a very comfortable place i can tell you're speaking from your heart like nothing scripted it's just coming out of you it's pouring out of you i love it and so if you look back at this journey and you had to tell an audience let's say you were on stage in front of 400 people right now and you said somebody asked you said chris what is the one thing you think you got right that stands out and what's the one thing maybe that you did wrong or that you wish you would have done differently that could impact your success going forward, right? Because the things you did right, you want to learn from and use those. The things you did wrong or maybe a misstep is a, a lesson that you can use. So either way, it's something you can use on the next phase. But what's maybe one thing you think you did right and one thing you'd think you'd maybe do a little different in the next phase of your entrepreneurial journey? Fabulous questions. The first part of that is what I did right. What I did right was I never sacrificed who I was for anything or anyone. I held true to that thing, if you will. Maybe it was being on my own at a young age. Maybe it was just wanting to wanting to be like the other people and thinking, why can't I do it, right? I remember looking at a guy and saying, I want, I could be the owner of that company. And he looked at me like I was a ghost. Like, like I thought, like, how ridiculous is that? And I, and I was like, no, but I believe that. Why couldn't I be that guy? And today I am that guy. It's pretty funny. So I think I never gave up on that. Today, I work as though someone's trying to take my stuff. I wake up, I'm, I answer my phone. It doesn't matter when it is, right? Like I, I grind and I don't have to grind, Josh. I could sit on a beach the rest of my life, I, but I would never do that. I would go you nuts. Pour it out of your so mind. I, 
I never sacrificed. Right, totally. We all would. Entrepreneurs, business owners, we, there's no way. So I never sacrificed for someone else or someone else's belief system or, or society. I kept working hard. And I would encourage any person listening to this, if you put in the work, right? If you work two full-time jobs instead of watching those reruns of TV and whatnot, you will find success somehow. It will slap you in the face somehow because people will see that work ethic. That right person you're looking for that you don't know you're looking for will come into your life, but you got to put in that work. So the work ethic, right? And and sticking to my guns and not letting people take me off my kilter. That, that was number one, right? And today I still do the same thing. And then the mistakes or things I've learned from or challenges, I would say. Well, first of all, because I was on my own so young and I had to figure things out, I was a lone soldier, right? Now, I, I played a little football. I did some things when I was younger, but I was always like very linear in my way of thinking. It was me. No one can work as hard as I can. No one can do what I do. No one's going to do it right. It's easier for me to just do it, blah, blah, blah. That's a huge mistake, right? Because you only know so much. You only have so much capacity. So I realized, which was a mistake because it took me a long time. I realized there is power in partnership right? There is power in finding people that build upon your weaknesses, right? And bounce and most of all, bounce things off of Josh, right? You have ideas and your ideas may not be the best or may not, may not be maximized unless someone else bounces something off you and says, I like that, but you should tweak it. If it's just yeah, you, right? What about this? Like a, yeah. yeah. It's like a dictator, right? If it's just you. So I realized that there was a lot more power in partnerships and sort of humbling myself and saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. You've had some success, but that doesn't mean anything moving forward. If you want to have massive success, which is how I got into this space, and you want to scale, you need really good people. And don't focus on the money. The money comes. Don't worry at all about money. We never talk about money on our team. We make a lot of it, but we don't even talk about it. It just yeah. comes because we care about each other. We all hustle, right? I love, love it. it. It's great. Fantastic stuff. Chris, listen, this has been an absolutely fantastic show. Thanks for coming on. I love your energy, your passion. I think we're going to name this Don't Take My Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> great. I, don't I love it, Josh. Our audience wants to reach out to you, have you come speak to their group or talk to them or engage with you or invest with you. Where can they, where can they reach out to you? Yeah, just go to sterlingrhinocapital.com. We're always doing fun things. I love to help. So if you want me to get on a Zoom call with a group and just share some advice, I love doing that stuff. As I said, we don't have programs, but I 100% believe in them. If you don't, if you haven't hired a mentor or a coach, you got to do it if you want to scale faster. You probably do it on your own, take forever. But we don't have those, but we love giving back and partnering with people. So yeah, reach out to us at sterlingrhinocapital.com. That's the best way to find everything. Nice. And you mentioned when we were going to start recording, you had some contests that you were had going on at that site. What's going on there? Yeah, really exciting. So one of our partners is a formal NFL player for the Jets, uh, Wayne Corbett. And he wanted to do a cool contest for kind of NFL fans, right? So we're actually giving away ownership in our new construction fund, right? It's a, a Sterling Rhino Capital Equity Multiple Fund, one. And so you can enter to win at uh, Sterling Rhino Capital forward slash kickoff is what it is. So forward slash kickoff, you can enter to win that contest. Then you can also learn more at our Create Create Your Fortune podcast. You can learn some stuff there as well. That's fantastic stuff. Chris, listen, thanks so much for sharing. I love your energy and passion. It comes through all day. Thanks for joining us today on Accelerated Investor. Josh, you're amazing. Thank you so much. Well, there you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Chris Roberts from Sterling Rhino Capital. Man, I love the dude's energy. And Chris and I are definitely going to be talking here shortly about development. I've got land that I own, infill new construction and A-class areas. 
We'll see where that goes with Chris and I possibly partnering in some of those things or maybe him consulting with us. Chris mentioned a few times he doesn't have any programs, but he heavily believes in them. If you believe in them and you think you want to get to the next level, certainly you could do it on your own. There's no question that everybody that puts in the hard work can do it on their own. The question is, is do you want a shortcut? Do you want to do it a little faster, a little quicker? If you do, jump in. Jump into our mastermind. It's called the Forever Passive Income Mastermind Coaching and Partnering Program. And you can apply at joshcantwellcoaching.com. See you next time. You were just listening to the Accelerated Investor Podcast with Josh Cantwell. If you enjoyed this episode and learned something new, help us build the AI community by leaving a review and five-star rating on our iTunes podcast channel. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss another episode. To see passive investing opportunities, visit freelandventures.com slash passive. To start your journey toward the lifestyle you've always dreamed of with multifamily apartments, apply for one-on-one -on -one coaching with Josh at www.joshcantwellcoaching.com.